0: Y'all in trouble this morning. You want to know why y'all in trouble? I was off for two weeks. I didn't know what to do with myself. Last week I played guitar because I was bored. So I've been sitting on this stuff, and we're we're starting a series. So if you're new here, what we do is that we like to teach things in series because you have the rest of your Sunday, and uh, you don't want to sit here for a four-hour message, right? Somebody say amen to that. Doug, can I get an amen from that? There it is. You don't want to sit here through a four-hour message. So we do things in series just to cover different subtopics of the general topic. And and so we titled this series. A lot of our our friend pastors are, are preaching series on relationships and their 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 titles are a lot cuter than ours. We just we're raw and gritty. We just call it it's complicated. It's complicated. And we're going to talk about relationships between you and your spouse, you and your family, you and your kids, you and your neighbor, uh, you and yourself. Today, we're going to talk about you and yourself. And so, there's so much area that we need to cover that usually our locations will preach the same message. But today, Pastor Barry over in Sewell, I don't know if you know, we have another location. He's teaching on how to love your family today. So, that'll go live on Tuesday. So, you can listen to that podcast. And today, I'm going to be preaching on how to be loved how to be loved. And let me tell you that each of those things are complicated. They're complicated. It is not easy to love your family. And sometimes it is not easy to be loved. And it's complicated. And I wanna to talk to my younger self, because if we wanting the tape, young Mike, young Mike used to think that things are just easy. I used to like, man, this is what I used to say, Steve. I used to say, when I, when I grow up and I'm married, I'm just gonna be brutally honest with my wife. It's complicated, right? That's it, I'm just gonna cultivate a culture of honesty with my wife. So if something looks stupid on her, I'm gonna tell her it looks stupid. It's complicated. Some of the veterans in the room go, no, don't do that don't do that and I learned I started learning I can't do that because I'm gonna hurt her feelings and, and 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 listen I'm not what I'm definitely not advocating is for you to lie to your spouse but you have to figure out a way to love her and not let her walk out the house in that dress you understand what I'm saying it's complicated right and so what I have to do I can't just be honest I have to study her closet some of the men are like I'm out I'm done I have to study the trends. I have to study fashion. I have to look at it. my wife is a, is a fa- she's a fashion blogger, so I gotta look at her blog. And so instead of saying, "Hey, you know what? Um, I wouldn't wear that if I were you." I've learned. I'm like, you know what, babe? Oh, that red dress looks way better. You should you should wear the red dress. I just love the red dress. You look hot in the red dress. So you notice that, I, I'm making her feel loved. I'm making her feel attractive, right? I'm making her not feel rejected, because if I was just to say, um, you got something better than that, boo. Whatever event we were going to, I would be going alone. Ladies, can I get an amen? Why, because it's complicated. It's not easy. Also, young Mike used to look at other parents, and I used to watch the temper tantrums in Target. Anybody know about that? Temper tantrums in Walmart. And I used to say, just beat them. That's all you got to do, just beat them. That was the problem. When a 20-year-old Mike, used to look, just beat your kids. Not abuse, but just a little spank in the hiney. Amen, come on. It's biblical. I used to look at it, and I was like, come on. It's easy. It's not that complicated. Beat your kids. But then I realized, I, and I started to have my own kids, and, and I remember Chase, Chase. Chase just turned 15, by the way. Oh, my back hurts just saying that. Um and and I remember when he was little, he 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 was a little rough with someone in daycare and 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 so I wanted to discipline him, but I'm like, I can't hit you for hitting a kid. Sends mixed messages. It's So, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to punish him in that moment cuz all I knew was a little poop. It was a little louder than a poop, but you know what I mean? Like it's complicated when you're raising kids and then even getting older, right? You have the dynamic of your parents and, and the way used to think, it's easy. Your parents correct you and then you correct your kids. But somewhere in my early 30s, I, I found out that there's a moment where I have to actually correct my parents. It's complicated, it's complicated. So as we talk about different relationships, as we talk about different angles of relationships, let's not simplify it, let's dissect it, and let's understand it and recognize that it is complicated. It is complicated, and listen, at times when there are people, and especially in our society, if you just live on Facebook for a day, everyone loves to give simple solutions to everything, like the 20-year-old Mike. And sometimes you can't give a simple solution to a complex problem. And what critics, critics what they'll do is that they'll just, they'll, they'll give you solutions from a distance And it's easy to give solutions when you don't know enough about the problem. Can I get an amen today? If you ever plan to be a pastor in ministry, just know everyone in this room has solutions. But it's kind of funny. I just have a hard time believing that God will entrust me with the problem and someone else with the solution. So if you're ever facing criticism, don't get mad. Just know that God has entrusted you with this problem. And he will entrust you with the answer and the solution to that problem. And it's more complex than what meets the eye. And so today I want to talk about the concept of how to be loved. I was tempted to call it how to love yourself, but you're going to understand why in a moment. That that We have to understand how can we allow other people to love us better, to love us better. Because Jesus said it this way in Mark chapter 12. He was talking about the Ten Commandments, and one of the scribes came up and heard them Disputing with one another. See, religious people always like to argue. Hello. And seeing that he answered them well, asked them, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then I love my Jesus because he doesn't just answer with one answer. He gives them two answers. We got a two for one Jesus. And he says, and the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. Of course he's right. He's Jesus. You have truly said that he is the one and there is no other besides him. and, And to love With all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength. And to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all of the burnt offerings and sacrifice. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. If you are in this place right now and you feel like you have a lot of questions, I got good news from you. You are not far from the kingdom of God. If you are struggling with your belief this morning, you are not far from the kingdom of God. If you are struggling with doubts today, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after this, no one dared to ask him any more questions because he's such a good question answer. So he, Jesus was like, hey, love your neighbor as yourself. So there is this element of loving yourself because you can't love your neighbor until you love yourself. But I know all you Bible scholars right now, you're because there's verses, there's verses in, in your index of your head, that verses, yeah, but the Bible's very clear not to be lovers of yourself, and you're right. Second Timothy 3:1 says it this way: But understand this: that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. It's complicated. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud. Arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Where are my kids at? It's biblical. Disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen. Steve, swollen. Does it sting? Are you convicted a little bit? No swollen with conceit oh there it is with conceit you're all right and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having the appearance of godliness Ooh, that's still prevalent in the church isn't it having the appearance of godliness but not but denying its power avoid avoid such people so there is a difference and sometimes language you know I I, I speak I think in Spanish but I speak English okay I think in Spanish, and I get mad in Spanish, all right? And so I understand the dynamics of translating language, you know, and at times language fails. You can't just translate something directly as, as, as word for word because then it doesn't make sense because there's phrases in Spanish that if I was to tell you, hey, you know what? Don't kick a donkey. You won't understand what that means, right? We don't really say that, but whatever. You know, it doesn't translate well. And, but, but here, when it talks about Jesus says to love yourself, Love yourself and the lovers of self. The difference is this. When I love myself, the domino effect of love goes this way. I'm loved by God. So God is the source. Look to your neighbor and say, God is the source. I love myself. And then that love, the Bible also says, we love only because he loved us first. So he loves me, then I love God. And if I love God, then I love the things he loves, and he loves people. And guess what? You are people. Some of you, all right, maybe some of you are doubting that this morning. But some of you are people, right? So God loves me. I love God. God loves people, then I love what he loves, and that's people. And I'm people, therefore I can love myself. So when he says to love myself, that means that the source is God. Lovers of self is that the source is self. Then I'm loving myself the way I know how to love I'm loving myself out of my own strength, out of my own power, out of my own ability. So that is the difference between the two because when you're a lover of yourself, then it's easy to be swollen with conceit, not with muscles. It's easy to be slanderous. It's easy when you are the source. Everybody pick up what I'm putting down, all right? And so that's what I want us to understand, that we are called because we can't change this world. We can't love you. You can't love your spouse. You can't love your family. You can't love your neighbor. You can't love this world until you first understand how much you are loved. And this connection between love and God is so crucial that I believe we need to study it way harder. So let's go there, 1 John 4. Listen to me, if you're not taking notes, I'm tempted. I'm tempted that if you ask me for a counseling session, this is what I'm gonna say. We don't charge, but I'm gonna say, bring your notebook. And if you're like, well, I, don't, I didn't write any notes. Well, then we don't have a counseling session. I'm not gonna do that, but daggone it, you make me tempted when you're just staring at me looking pretty and not writing any of this stuff down. First John four, I was also buying time for you to get there. First John chapter four, starting at verse seven. Somebody be like, is he serious? Two weeks and he's angry. Starting at verse seven it says this, beloved, watch this. Let us love one another. his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God, so that we have come to know and to believe that the love, the love that God has for us, God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. We're gonna stop right there, but do you understand the pattern here? This thing of this, this synonymous, that God is synonymous with the word love. And He also said that if we know God, then we know love. And so the first thing you need to write down, is, we kind of covered this already, but, but the source of love is God. You, the source of love is God. I'm not talking about the kind of love that the goosebumps love or the butterflies love. That, those are just feelings. I'm talking about unconditional, Holy Spirit-empowered love that the source of love is God and God alone. This world does not know love because it does not know God. Hello. And ready for this one. We can't love unless we know God. We can't love unless we know God. Some of you are looking at me like, oh, some of you all mature believers in the house are like, oh, this is trivial, I get it. But here's the bottom line. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you found it difficult to love people that you're supposed to love? Oh, okay, we're awake. We're awake now, right? You found it difficult to love your spouse. All my honest people are at 9 a.m. You find it difficult to love your kids. Come on, when they're hanging on that last nerve, you know what I'm talking about? You find it difficult to love the people at your workplace, at your schools, whatever it be. When you find it difficult, here's what I've noticed, that if we take a couple steps back, it's way more complicated than you just having a bad day, is that when I find it difficult to love someone that I'm supposed to love, it's because I've disconnected my knowledge to the knowledge of God. Can I get three more claps? Three more claps to that. All right. It's like a, it's like a tipping point. It's like, oh, that's that was weak. That's like a golf clap, it's like Tiger Woods putting clap, and then a church clap. It's about three more people on that. All right. And, and so here we have like the, the, this, this difficulty where I've disconnected it. And so don't look at this as this is just trivial. Oh, I get it. God is love, but there are times when we find it difficult to love. It's not necessarily that person's fault. It's our fault because we disconnected to the knowledge of God because the Bible is clear. If we love, then we know God. Write this down. It is impossible. It is impossible to reveal God to someone you hate. It is impossible to reveal God to someone you hate. And I think at times we just throw that out. Oh, I hate Karen. Sorry if your name is Karen. Oh, I hate Jeff. Oh, I hate, and we just throw it out there. Come on, we've all said it, right? I hate my mother-in-law. No, you never said that. You never said that. But think about it this way. We're supposed to be ambassadors of Christ. It is impossible for me to reveal God if I hate you. So before we consider picketing a community out there, come on, before we say we hate a political party, Before we say, we hate that person that cut us off on New Jersey traffic. Just know that it is impossible for you to reveal God to that person if you hate them. So I wonder, folks, I wonder if we're missing out on the miracle of reconciliation because we're holding on to our hate. And when you hold on to your hate, it is impossible for us To reveal God so we have to first how do how do I let love penetrate this this stubborn heart I got three ways this morning there are many more than three ways but I'm looking at the clock and I should go longer because there's no more football and who cares about the XFL I'm just kidding if you're new here we're a very football intensive church we are a house divided during those months there's Cowboys fans here, There's the, it's a mess, we're a mess. But how to be loved, you ready? Number one, you need to access your value. You need to access your value. It is very important for you to understand what's on your price tag. Because at times, we fluctuate and here's why. Here's why you gotta access your value. Because a lot of times, we've been conditioned in our society to look for other people's validation. Don't look at me like this is not you. If you feel good with every like that you get on social media, if you feel good with every comment and of engagement, if you feel good only if somebody applauses your efforts, what are we doing? We're longing for people's validation. Not understanding that we have to start, our starting line should be accessing our value. You wanna know why? Because human validation is very fickle. Why? Because human minds change all the time. Come on. One day, I love Steve. Next day, I'm jealous of Steve. Right? One day, Max is the man, what? When Max drives me in between, Uh, locations he always has like a cooler of goodies and then all he has to do is just talk negatively about my Jets and now I'm mad at him no he doesn't do that but that's the human mind we change and so do you really want to trust your validation and your worth on something that has so many variables and can change from moment to moment Isn't it no wonder why in the beginning of Jesus' ministry that the father cracked open the sky and said, this is my son whom I am well pleased. And that Jesus could hold on to that. So that when the mob and the crowds chose someone else, chose a murderer over Jesus, it didn't change Jesus' value. And I think a lot of times we're incapable of being loved because we're looking for validation. We're looking for someone to tell me my worth And I want to tell you today, no, 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 don't look for anyone but God to tell you your worth. Don't look for anyone. Why? Because, listen to me, what if someone could study your decision-making, and after studying your decision-making, they actually can assess your worth by your decisions? How valuable would you be? Let me talk to some of the single people here, right? Because we make decisions not based on our value or worth. We make decisions by what someone else declares is right or wrong, right? I used to be a youth pastor. I used to get the question all the time, how far is too far? Asking the questions, Johnny. (laughs) If you're asking, you know you're wrong. (laughs) But instead, instead of giving them a book of rules, I would say, hey, like, what is your value and worth? Single people, what is your value and worth? We're asking the question, is it right or wrong to live with him? Is it right or wrong to make out with him or her? Is it right or wrong to do this? Forget about the question whether it's right or wrong. Can I just ask you, what is your value? What is your worth? Because then that value and worth will tell you, you know what? I am worthy of waiting. I'm worthy of putting a ring on it, hey. I am worthy of a nice date. I'm worthy of you holding the door for me. I'm worthy of you paying this bill. Determine your worth. And listen, that's, that's not about dating too. That's just about like even people with anger problems, right? Determine your worth before punching a hole in the wall. Before punching a hole in the wall, ask yourself, what am I worth right now? Because this is what Jesus said, Matthew six twenty six. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he asks this brilliant question. Are you not more value, more value than they? Are you not more valuable than them? Just think about the birds of New Jersey for a second. Are you not more valuable than those demonic geese that plague South Jersey? Come on, just think about that when you're just like scooping up poop off your sidewalks, right? Or or if you're around this building Those demonic turkeys, are you not more valuable than those things, come on. Those dumb seagulls at the shore, are you not more valuable than those birds? So going back to the guy or the girl with with anger problems, before you punch a hole in that wall, you're angry because you're scared. You're scared because you don't trust God. What if before you made a, a decision to regret something and every angry person has a bucket of spackle in their garage? Before you make that decision, what if you consulted your value and said, you know what, I am valuable and God's gonna take care of me. And this anger is not gonna make me feel better. Trusting in God is gonna make me feel better. And to go back to your price tag and let you know that your price tag does not say rejected. Your price tag does not say abandoned. Your price tag does not say you're not enough. That's not what your price tag says. Your price tag says Jesus. Stop real quick because we could go on and, and just get into more jokes and more funny stuff. This is the revelation that you need to understand. Listen to me. I'm going to call you up. Bethany, God did not waste the death of his son on you. He did not, Natalie, God did not waste the death of his son on you. Mike, God did not waste the death of his son on you. Doug, God did not waste the death of his son on you. Do you understand this principle? That you understand that you're worth, that when you're thinking about quitting, when you're thinking about, you know what, just wiling out and doing whatever you want to do, to look and say, God did not waste the death of his son on me. I am valuable. God does not make junk. And some of you need to receive that because we're making bad decisions, not because of someone's set of rules of what's right or wrong, because you don't understand your value. Number two, thank you. Told you two weeks, I'm sweating better than you're listening. Come on, it's important. You wanna know why? Because I grew up in church, and I mean, I didn't grow up in church, but later on as a teenager, as I was attending church, here's what they taught me, religion will love you at your best, but Jesus loves you at your worst. Jesus loves you at your worst. Number two, be correctable. I think to understand love, can I go here, can I go here? I'm gonna ask my staff to, for permission. How correctable are you? Don't answer me right now, but just, how correctable are you? I think a lot of times when we reject correction, we reject love. Notice I didn't say criticism. I'm talking about correction. There's a difference between correction and criticism. I'm talking about correction from people who actually love you. Because here's when I I read the Bible, this is what it says. It won't be up on the screen, but listen to these verses. Proverbs 13, 24. He who spares the rods hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Hebrews 12, 6. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. The end of the book, Revelations 3.19 says this those I love I rebuke and discipline. Do you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth this morning? That there's a connection that the Bible makes between love and discipline, or better more, more acceptable word this morning in our culture is love and correction. But here's the problem our society has conditioned us to be super sensitive. And I understand, I was just challenging Barry. Barry's a sensitive dude, but he's gotten to the place where he receives correction well. I'm talking about super sensitive, super sensitive that, that you've conditioned people to, to, to never correct you because if you correct me, then I'm gonna feel bad about myself and I'm gonna beat myself up and I can't believe you said that. And what we've done is, and I deal with this all the time, I'm looking at someone and I see your potential I see that sky's the limit. I see the calling on a person's life. I see the value on that person's life. But at times, I feel like I have to walk around eggshells around that person, and I can never help them see the things that God sees, see the things that everyone else sees, because they created this bubble of sensitivity. And what they do, they repel correction. And listen, if you repel correction, you repel love. I wonder if we're missing out on letting people love us because we refuse to be corrected. I'm going to take your silence as a loud amen. But that's what we've done. And so and that's not just sensitive people. Some of us, we're hard-headed. Where my hard headed at? And sometimes what we do is we, we, we don't like correction because we don't like being told what to do. Yeah. Or, or, or we, we don't want you. Well, I know. I know what I did wrong. You don't got to tell me what I did wrong. I know what I did wrong, and I'll handle it my own, my own way. You're hard-headed, and what you're doing is you're rejecting love. You're rejecting love because you think correction is rejection. And it is not because if that is so, I wonder how much of God's love we reject because he made it plain and simple in Scripture that he disciplines those he loves. Last one which is similar to the second one. I know these are unorthodox ways to, to be loved, but I think these are ways that we're missing out nowadays on how to be loved. The Last thing is to confront yourself. We have this leadership track, it's called Leadership DNA. And one of the things that we're training our upcoming leaders to do is to be self-aware. And if I'm really honest with you, here's why. Because I know a lot of pastors and leaders that they have more degrees than a thermometer and they can't lead themselves out of a wet paper bag. All right? And they're smart, they're intelligent, but they lack that element of self-awareness. And to be honest with you, I didn't learn self-awareness in Bible college. I learned self-awareness by honestly assessing my worth, letting people correct me, and being able to confront myself and so the beginning of our DNA process is in, in regards to training leaders is that we help them be aware. What are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? And let's stop, let's stop denying them and let's just start working on them. Because the Bible says in, in, in Luke 9, 23, Jesus told us, if anyone will come after me, we're following Jesus, we're walking, we're walking with Jesus, we're walking with Jesus. I had a pastor buddy of mine say that if, You eat like Jesus, but don't walk like Jesus, you'll look like Buddha. Little nugget there. But if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Take up your cross daily to deny your flesh, to check yourself before you riggedy wreck yourself. I'm trying to make sure I hit everybody in the room. But to confront yourself and to understand, you know what? I'm thinking this stupid thought and I shouldn't think this stupid thought. I'm hating and I know I shouldn't be hating because hate is not of God. I'm scared and I know I shouldn't be scared because fear is not of God. And to confront yourself and to remind yourself again that God did not waste the death of his son on me. So I got a better decision to make. And to confront yourself, because at times, we could, help, we could correct things externally, but only you can correct what's internal. And so when he says to take up your cross, another verse says to deny your flesh. We don't deny that there is a flesh. I love super Christians deny. No, I'm not struggling at all. I'm all good. No, you ain't. You are not all good. To learn to confront yourself and to have that honest conversation of saying, you know what? I'm struggling in this area, but I know I have victory. I know I'm able to take this thought and surrender it and give it to God. I know I'm able to, to, to get up when I'm feeling low. I know I'm able to do this, but, but it requires us developing a pattern of confronting yourself when you have to. But I think at times we, again, reject loving ourselves that way because we just want to make ourselves feel good. But the goal isn't to feel good. The goal is to get closer to Jesus. And sometimes that has to go through the avenue of pain in order to get closer to Jesus. But when we get there, we have joy because there's his presence there's fullness of joy. There's victory. And so we got to understand that when we confront ourselves, we get to correct a lot of bad mistakes. You know, there's a story about the prodigal son that Jesus told. It was a, it was a made-up story. It wasn't historical at all, but he told the story to reveal some principles. And there's one principle in the story that I kind of love. If you've never heard the story, and, and just to summarize it very quickly, This guy looked his father in the eye and said, I want all my inheritance right now. So he took all the inheritance and he spent it and he partied it up and wasted all the money and found himself in a pig pen, eating with the pigs. He made a series of bad mistakes, but then he made one good decision. You know what that good decision was? To run back to the father. And I think a major principle in this story is that one good decision can fix a series of bad mistakes. One good decision can fix a series of bad mistakes. But he a—he didn't have anyone in the pig pen. Who did he have? Just him. That's it. Just him and Porky. That was it. There was nobody else in that pig pen. He had to confront himself. And what did he say? He said, man, my father's servants right now are eating better than I am. He confronted himself, made the good decision to run back home. And I love the story because if it was me, I'd be like, okay, you got to work. You want to be back in this house? You got to paint the porch, mow the yard. You got to earn my No, that's not the picture of the father that Jesus painted. Jesus said that the father welcomed him, celebrated him, restored him. That's the father we serve. Because one good decision corrected a series of bad mistakes because he confronted himself. I just want all of us to understand that God loves in many ways. And for us not to reject certain ways, but to accept all of them.